You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So that was a beautiful rendition of the Packernet Podcast that was recorded and put in the Facebook group by Peter Thomas. He actually uh, plays for the Milwaukee Symphony and uh, mentioned to me that he was going to be doing that. And I wanted to put it in there. I actually, um, I just asked him if he'd be willing to record that. Because what you're hearing is just, it's why the audio is a little bit distorted. Is because half of that music is like being pumped from his computer. And then that's being recorded. And then I'm playing that through a recording. So I asked him if he'd be willing to kind of record all that into a, uh, you know, recordy machine. I'm in the industry, so I know the terms. And send it over. And I don't know if I want that to be full-time brand new, or maybe just make that the outro? I don't know. I will say this, though. It's not impossible that three years ago when I started this podcast, I found a little jingle that I liked, thought it had some good energy to it, and uh, turns out they didn't really secure it very well, so I just kind of ripped it off, and since then have felt bad, tried to go back and pay for it, but can't find it. All those things are possibly true, and if those things were true, it would be entirely possible that I would be nervous that they would find out and I would get in trouble and sued for that. And so if any of that was true, which can't be proven, you certainly can't prove it, um, you know, a remake of the jingle would not be the worst possible thing to happen. Maybe there's another musician out there and you get somebody to record the intro, somebody to record the outro. I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe we could have a little competition. Maybe we could just rotate it. I don't know. All this is just coming to me off the top of my head as we speak. So I'm I'm just saying things as it as it comes to me. I'm like a prophet, man. Minus the part about it, you know, coming from God or anything. Anyways, good morning. Happy Sunday. Happy to have you. Uh, yesterday, I had grandiose plans because I was like, you know, I didn't do a podcast. We're going to do something fun as a group. And so what I wanted to do was a little bitty mock draft thing. And so around, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, I started playing around and I did a live stream on the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. And I had a mock draft set up, and it was the Packers pick, and I just waited, and I waited, and I waited, just as a test, just to be like, as soon as a couple people show up, I'll just see if they can kind of play along and help me out. Not a single person showed up. And then I had people in my mock draft group, I did it over there, I had about six, seven, eight people, and I'm just talking into my mic saying, hey guys, would you mind just putting a comment or maybe picking a name in the poll? Just to help me out, they all just left. So my plan is, at some point, doing like a live video mock draft. All right, we'll just run through the first round. Maybe in the Packers, uh, the Packernet podcast group, we'll do a seven-round mock for the Packers. I, I got to figure out the logistics of it, though, which is why I was hoping to get some help. I probably should have told you, but I'm just saying. And I couldn't broadcast it in the group, which was annoying. That That would have definitely helped. But anyways... Be on the lookout for that, and if you're interested, let me know. 
because I feel like everyone would be interested, but I also don't want to waste my time if nobody cares. But I thought that would be kind of fun to do it live in the group via video, just get one of these mock draft simulators, and we'll all just as a group make some picks, and, uh, you know, it'll be a fun little weekend activity. Possibly today, I'm saying it's pretty unlikely, though, because, again, the logistics are kind of crazy. I mean, everybody can just comment, and I could try to make a poll, I guess, but I, I don't know. It's It would be difficult. be better if there was kind of a separate thing. Anyways, bottom line, get in the Facebook group and like the page, please. It would be greatly appreciated. Anyways, I've been rambling long enough. Um, if you want to know how to sh- support the show, links are in the description. Let's, um, I'd tell you what we're talking about, but I have no idea. I just rolled out of bed. Um, well, we, there's plenty of stuff on the agenda. We'll pick a few things, get to talking, take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So, I just I just got this. This literally just, somebody is up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, I don't talk about it as much as I should. I mean, it's in the intro, but this whole thing started because of the website packernet.com. It's a very long story, not going through it all again, but I got hooked up with it. Decided to do a podcast, and so I started the Packernet podcast. Anyways, this all originated from Packernet.com. And um, it's actually maybe not the most well-known, but it is one of the bigger Packers podcasts out there. So occasionally you get, you know, some stuff in the inbox. Usually it's spam. Occasionally it's people scolding me about the podcast. I don't don't know. Um, But this morning at 5.30 in the morning, George would like us at Packernet to tell Rogers... That if he wants to play past 40, that's fine, but he should do it elsewhere because he's already a has-been. So, George, I, I, I just first of all, just like to thank you for um, believing that we here at Packernet have Aaron Rodgers' phone number. Of course, that's true. We do. We hang out. Um, we I, I, I most recently saw him when we both went to go visit the Dalai Lama. But I will, I will let him know that he is to play elsewhere. So... <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Today's just been a trip. I, I I like today. Today's been fun. Peter put me in a good mood. I just like people, man. Everybody gets all upset all the time. Like most people are going to read that message and get all upset. I, why would you be upset? I don't know George, but I already like George. I want to hang out with George. Don't be mad, man. It's just people. Just people doing what people do. 
This world would be terrible if we all just thought and said the same stuff. Lighten up a little bit. Good old George. I want to make George a regular. That's something else I need to do is get get some characters on this show once in a while. I'm terrible with interviews. That's why I don't like doing them. I feel very uncomfortable. But it would just, it would make this show a lot of fun. Anyways, um, it's going to seem random. There's no way to really transition into this. But one of the things that I wanted to do, and this was kind of updated a while ago. But I want to look at Capspace here. Um... So it was maybe like a week ago they had kind of had their official... And some teams are still doing stuff, but not the Packers so much. So as of right now, the Packers are sitting at about $11 million. There's still some talk about the Packers doing stuff. And um, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I don't like the position we're in right now. This is... I think if this was the Vikings or the Bears or the Lions, I would be a little bit more looking at this from the perspective of kind of a, you know, ha-ha, look at the, look at the pinch you guys are in. The Packers very rarely at this time are so pressed financially. And I know $11 million seems like a lot, but again, just kind of operating off of the... And it's not like the Packers are ever super rich, because they usually just have a lot of good players. And that's, I guess that's technically where we're at right now. It just makes me a little bit uncomfortable when we already didn't have very much money. We spent almost no money on players that aren't super great, and we're already kind of a little bit lower than we probably should be. Granted, we're not the Bears sitting at $1.1 million right now with a garbage football team. But I, I, I guess the bottom line is the Packers are sort of capped out. And the only thing that makes me uncomfortable is this is a good football team, but we're clearly not, you know, 1A. You, we could argue we're 1B if you want, kind of hanging out with the Steelers, which is usually we kind of hang out with the Steelers. We, we've been kind of paired up with them and the Saints for quite a while. I mean, through history, we've those three teams have kind of been through very similar paths. For different reasons, but whatever. The problem is, it really, just, as much as we want to kick and scream and say, oh, well, this guy and this guy and, and free agency and all, this really just comes down to Brian Gutekunst and the draft. After that, a lot of this is out of our hands, right? Is there any, how much gas is left in Aaron Rodgers' tank? And, and it's not all just Aaron Rodgers. There's also the other aspect of the other teams. And let's just face it, there's some really good football teams out there right now. The 49ers are a Goliath. The Baltimore Ravens are, are possibly just scratching the surface of what is about to be a, a phenomenal football team. The Chiefs, horrifying. I mean, there have been years in which there weren't teams that were this, this many good teams that are this good. And again, the Steelers are, are somewhat of an underrated commodity because they didn't have a quarterback, but kind of under the radar, they had, according to PFF, the best defense in the NFL. If they wake up and Ben Roethlisberger can play and they got Juju waking up and they get a couple more offensive pieces and suddenly this is a real real offense and you don't need much of an offense, which we know they can they can muster, to be a contender. Uh, the, you know, the Vikings are always hovering. The Saints are an incredibly talented football team. So it's not all just, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae and these guys stepping up and becoming. It's, it's everybody else as well. It's a hostile environment. And so it just kind of makes me nervous because it really does just come back to the roots. It comes back to the draft. And we just have to do that one thing that we don't want to do. The reason we like free agency is because we feel there's an element of control. You look at a player, you know he's a good player, you go buy him, and you know you upgraded. The draft is just, it's it's Vegas. It's gambling. I mean, it, it's not anymore, but it's it's gambling is what I mean. They're, they're lottery tickets. I mean, granted, they're, they're high-probability lottery tickets. You know, it's, you know, you got a 10% chance of hitting, hitting something. They're kind of like scratch-offs, you know. 1 in 20 is going to get you a, your buck back. Maybe 1 in 100 is going to be a superstar, a.k.a., you know, 100 bucks or whatever. 
But it's, I don't know. It's just scary, I guess. And at the end of the day, I, I guess we all just have to recognize that we're just fans and we don't really have any input and we're just going to have to trust. We're going to have to leave it up to Aaron Rodgers. We're going to have to leave it up to these players. And then we got to trust Brian Gutekunst to go out and, and get more guys. And again, as I've said before, it's also a matter of the younger guys got to step up. It can't just be Brian Gutekunst goes out and gets seven, eight guys. One or two of those guys is pretty good, and that's just what it is, right? We can't have these situations where guys just aren't getting better. And when that and that's something that just keeps ha- – guys either come in and they're good or they just don't get any better, which maybe is a reflection of the coaching staff. I don't know. Why is it these guys don't seem to be getting better? I mean, we know about Devontae and his whole story and all that, and we act like that's this really weird, rare thing, but it's just not. It's a normal path for guys to start off bad, get a little better, and then get way better. We saw it with Blake and Jake Ryan, but Jake Ryan got shipped off after he got good because he got hurt and shipped off. And then Blake got good and then just completely fell off a cliff. Once Mike Pettin showed up, he just continued to regress. I mean, Kenny Clark technically got a little bit better, but he just skyrocketed, right? I mean, basically by the end of, of his rookie year, he was basically a stud already. We need to see guys really start to take those steps. And there, and there are guys that can do it. Darnell Savage has the kind of ability to be a top-end safety in this league. He's already good, right? But but the, the problem is we, we get, a guy, get a guy like Jair. Jair came in with this high-end potential. He played good in his rookie year, and the hope was this guy's going to be a freak. And it kind of started that way in his rookie year, right? He had, I don't remember who it was, somebody over at, I don't know if it was PFF or somewhere, they wrote an article that he is like the next great corner. And he started off the year just on fire. And then that just kind of tapered off, and he became just kind of like a good, not great corner again, right? Showed really great flashes and then had really terrible games and ended the season actually a little bit lower PFF-wise than last year. Somebody's got to make a jump somewhere, either from a guy that can't play to a starter or a starter to a high-end starter or a, a good starter to an elite starter. Somebody's got to – there's got to be some mobility in here. Again, it can't just be Goot getting good players that come in and they're good and they're just good until they're not good anymore or bad and then they just don't get any better. Who's going to take the step? You know, Aaron Jones just was good right out of the gate. Aaron Jones has always been Aaron Jones. Jamal has always been Jamal. I mean, maybe a little bit in far, as far as receiving. Both of these guys took a big step this past year, you know, especially with LaFleur as the coach. For whatever reason, these guys took a massive step as receivers. Not that they did it a lot. They were just much more proficient at it. And again, PFF had them as, I think, both top five receiving backs in the NFL. But overall, not a whole lot changed there. You know, Bakhtiari, if anything, took a step. Not that he needs to improve. He's already one of the best. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just looking at who is the guy that's really taken a step forward. I, I thought the tight ends would get better. None of them did. None of the wide receivers got better. You could, I mean, you can't really say Alan Lazard because he played literally one snap last year. So better than, I mean, he played more. You know, Elton Jenkins, can he take a step? He was good. He's already a starter. Is he going to, I mean, could he be the next Sitton? Can he be the next Lang? Or is he just always going to be this kind of good, not great guard? I mean, even more than the draft, this is the most important thing. Because, again, in the draft, what are you getting? Maybe two guys. What we need is growth. We need Elton to get better. We need Billy Turner to get better. We need Alan Lazard to continue to get better. We need Mercedes to take a step here. I know he's at the end of his career, but come on. We massively, massively need Jay Sternberger to take a big step. And I'm confident in that, but maybe it's just ignorance. Because we just don't really see it very much. MVS took a massive step backwards. You know, Dexter Williams. Be great if he could step up. Is Tanyan going to get any better? I mean, I, I just combed through the entire offense. I didn't see anybody that I was like, oh, there's a guy that took a big step. 
Again, Kenny Clark. You, know, you, you could say Zadarius, but you almost want to put that on Gutekunst more timing that out. He was already ascending. Kenny Clark, again, it took him about one year to reach peak. Adrian Amos didn't get better. I mean, he is who he is. We got who we, we, we went out and paid Adrian Amos to be Adrian Amos, and that's what we got out of him. Maybe you could say Chandon Sullivan. I don't know. I mean, we've only had him for a year, but he was really bad with Philly. I, I don't know if it's the change of environment or did he get – I don't know. But I, essentially what I'm looking for is a guy that just started off rough in his rookie year, took a step and took a step, and now he's a good player. I just – I don't see that anywhere. Kevin King never did that. I mean, technically, he did have his best year this year, so I'm, I'm really hoping he becomes the next Devontae. You know, people talk about MVS being the next Devontae. No, I, I think Kevin King needs to be the next Devontae. A second-round pick that everybody, well, not everybody, again, I was, a lot of people are defending him, whatever, but be, just being honest and saying, look, the guy's not that good. And that's the reality. Devontae wasn't that good. So people were saying who were defending him, not that there's anything wrong with defending him, or saying that he could become good is fine. But saying that he's a great receiver when he's not is wrong. He became a great receiver. I'm hoping Kevin King can become that. He is the second-round pick with all the upside and ability. But we got to see. It was it was a handful of games that he played really, really well, well, well down the stretch, and I'm just hoping something just clicked for him. And if he can stay healthy and stay on that track, he can be a top corner in the NFL. I Listen, I, I don't care about history. I just say what it is. I'm, I'm not tainted by anything. I'm not going to stand here and say a bad corner is a good corner. But I'm also not going to keep dumping on the guy if he's a good corner. I couldn't care less. And if people want to come at me and say, now what? Now what? Nothing. Now he's good. And that's why I say he's good. Before he was bad, and so I said he was bad. There's no now what. That's the now what. So I'm, I, I have no fear of anybody changing or becoming better or quote-unquote proving me wrong because you're not proving anything. I'm speaking about this particular point in time. I, I, I look forward so... I don't hate Kevin King. I'm just saying what he is. I look forward to the day when I can just talk about how Kevin King is the best corner in the NFL. I want that desperately. I'm not trying to go at any particular... I don't dislike a single person on this team. I, I this, the, the thing is, I'm a fan of the Green Bay Packers. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Aaron Rodgerses or the Kevin Kingses or the Jairses. I'm a fan of the Green Bay Packers. And when, when guys put on the jersey and play well, I'm a big fan of them too. But when they leave, I don't have any, I guess sometimes there's an attachment there, but let's not get it confused what I'm a fan of. And so when guys aren't great, I just call it like it is. So I'm, I'm hoping Kevin King can be that guy, but I don't know. Josh Jackson, there's, a, a again, a glimmer of hope. He's another one, second-round pick. He's got some potential. We saw a glimmer toward the end of last year, specifically two games. Can he be? I hope he can. Dean isn't really that guy. He's just kind of been what he is. Kyler Fackrell, who's gone now, kind of seemed like he might have been that kind of a guy who actually developed, but we got rid of him. Again, Blake developed and then fell off, so we got rid of him. Lancaster's always been what he was. BJ's been what he was. Rashawn is a guy that we really need, need, need to be a developmental guy because if this is Rashawn forever, this was one of the worst picks that Goot could have made. There has to be development here. And again, I'm just, I'm just tired of it. You know, Montrevious. Why hasn't Montrevious taken a st- even a half a step forward? Oren Burks came in and was terrible. Fine, so what? He's a rookie. He's got to learn some stuff. He hasn't taken a half a step forward. Montrevious and Oren Burks, relatively early round picks, with a lot of potential, in year two, well, two for Burks and year three for Montrevious, they are the second and uh, the first and second worst players on the team. Both third-round picks. Oren, we traded up for in the third round. 
And after two years for Oren and three years for Montrevious, not a single quarter of a step forward. No progress. Nothing. Not even marginally better. That's, that's, that's problematic. That's troubling to me. I mean, it's the, it's the entire job of the coaching staff. This is your only job. Make guys better. Whether that's through technique and fundamentals or just understanding what it is we do here. Processing speed a little bit faster. I mean, I, I just went over to the Vikings. It took me two seconds to find a guy who improved, and it's Anthony Harris. Safety who's now getting massively paid. Granted, as a rookie, he did play pretty well, but 2016, his grade was a 52, 2017, 75, 2018, an 89, 2019, a 91, number one safety in the NFL. Now, granted, that DB coach is now with Green Bay, so hopefully we get a little bit of that, but it took me two seconds. He was the second guy I clicked on, and you can find that kind of path. Daniil Hunter, to a somewhat lesser degree, 71, 77, 79, 78, 89. Lower, you know, one year was kind of down, then three years up, and then his his fifth year was... Peak Daniil Hunter. And that's not everybody, but I'm not asking for everybody. I'm asking for somebody, anybody. Adam Thielen, 71, 65, 79, 82, 89. He took a big step back this year, but that's that path. Just he kept getting better and better and better. He did have a down year. That's That happens, but I just I want to see the coaching. I need to see some impact from the coaching staff showing that they're better than they were when they were a rookie, which should just be automatic, and I just don't see that. Dalvin Cook, there is progress since he was a rookie. So, eh. yes, we need a good draft and we need Goot to bail us out, but it can't just be we need Goot to find us one or two guys because that's not enough. We need Goot to go out and get us some really good players, especially on offense. That's true. Guys that can be impact players as a rookie. We also need some of these other guys that have already been brought in to really step up. Maybe I'm being greedy, but I would like Jair to take another step. He's good, but he's got to tighten it up a little bit. I'd love to see Darnell take a step. His overall grade was a 66. Let's not get carried away with how incredibly elite he was. According to PFF, he was average. He's got unbelievable tools. And by the way, his coverage was out of control. His run defense was a little low. I don't care how he improves. I would just like to see him take a step. And he can. That's the great thing about him. We traded up in the first round to go get this guy, not just because he's a good player today, but because of what he can be. The fact that he came in year one and was already a pretty good player is great, but we got to see him take that step. And again, we got the guy from Minnesota should look up his name not going to doesn't matter he's built up some of the best safeties in football for him to be able to work with adrian amos for him to be able to work with darnell savage you know the success rate with corners wasn't quite as good but he also didn't have the same players he didn't have jair he didn't have kevin king and i really hope he can just put some of that magic juju on these guys and make this an elite db group bottom line though however whoever whenever wherever somebody somewhere has got to step up that's already on this team Because at the end of the day, and again, this isn't a negative comment on the Packers. The Packers are a phenomenal football team, but if we're going to take on the Chiefs, if we're going to take on the Saints, if we're going to take on the 49ers, if we're going to take on the Vikings, if we're going to take on, who am I leaving? The the Raven. If we're going to be able to beat the, it's not because Goot went out and got us one good wide receiver. That's going to be massive. But it's not going to be because we got one good wide receiver or one good tight end. Or, or an offensive tackle that's going to sit for a year behind Wagner. Or even if he starts, whatever. He's as good as Belago. How does that move us forward? It's not going to be just because of that. It does have to be that, but this is going to fall on the coaching staff. This is going to, as I talked about previously, not to go on a, a Mike Petten rant again, but he and his staff have got to just bolster some of these guys. And I, I have much love for what happened with Zadarius and bringing that pass rush. And there, there are some real positive things that have happened. One of the better defenses we've seen as Packer fans for a long time. But we, we, we're already loaded up. 
That's one of, one of the things that I think is a little bit unfair is constantly looking at the GM saying, why aren't you doing more? Excuse me, I have brought in dozens and dozens and dozens of players. 10% of them hit in their rookie year, but we have an entire massive coaching staff that needs to try to pull another 20% out of this. There should be at least as many guys as I can hit in year one. You should be developing beyond that. And again, we just don't see that. There may have been a time. I'm sure you can go back in time and look at guys that, that grew. You know, Jordy wasn't elite in his rookie year. I remember laughing about it when we drafted him. Being like, hey, white guy, wide receiver. That's so funny, man. Yeah, you go, buddy. And then look what he became. There was some serious development going on. And, and I think we you can see, when you see dominant position groups over time, like wide receivers, or in more recent history, defensive line, like I talked about, I think a lot of that comes from having really good coaches. I don't think it's just a coincidence. I think we've had some great coaches at, at certain positions that have made it happen. And I think when you don't get that kind of development, I mean, if you see investment and no development like corners, which drove, that drove me insane. I'm going to try not to go too far down the path, but. If you've been listening for a while, you remember me railing against Mike McCarthy and his lack of ability to fire anybody. He refused to fire anybody. The only way anybody ever left Green Bay is if they got hired away. And the problem is what happened in Green Bay, essentially, is all the good good coaches get hired away, and then who are we left with? The guys that can't get jobs elsewhere because they're not deserving of them, and we won't fire and replace these guys. So none of them even deserve to be where they are. And we've got guys that have been that were coaching up our DBs, you know, and I I don't mean to... I mean, they've been around for a long time. They've done a lot with this team. But these guys needed to go a long time ago. We have put so much of an investment in our defensive backs. And I refuse to say it's all Ted Thompson and Brian Gutekunst's fault. Give me a break. None of these guys have any ability that can be developed even a little bit. I mean, even an example like uh, Demarius Randall. Couldn't you have just moved him to safety? Nothing. We're getting nothing from these guys. I just think that's an under appreciated, under-talked-about issue. Development is, is massive. It just, just we've, we've gone through this several times looking at players and, and just saying, well, he started off bad and he got better. So many guys were that way. Most guys were that way. You know, a lot of the super superstars started off hot and stayed hot. You know, the Khalil Max, the Von Millers, whatever, they've always been elite players. They just, they were born elite. But most of these other guys who kind of, you know, third, fourth, fifth round guys that kind of came up through the ranks, it took them a couple years. There was some great coaches that, that really showed them the craft, and they developed into great players. And again, I'm just all I'm saying is we just don't really see that in Green Bay, and we got to start looking at that as an un, it's not all just free agency in the draft. There's an element of development is where we, we're just severely lacking. And it's, it's also unfair to just put it all on pet. Pettin's is the one that's developing all this stuff. He's the one saying, this is the scheme we're going to run. He goes to Gut and says, these are the players I need. Gut goes out and says, okay, here's the players. And so now Pettin is delegating to his coaching staff to say, this is what I need these guys to be able to do. And they're not able to do it. Some of them obviously are. And, and again, we've got, for example, Mike Smith. He might be one of the one of the great coaches. I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but that, that guy was an inside linebacker coach for the Chiefs. I believe, or a linebacker's coach, something. And they they made him specifically, okay, we're going to split this up. You're going to be an outside linebacker coach, which at the time they were a 3-4 team. So he's coaching up D. Ford and Justin Houston. Justin Houston at the time was already over the hill. D. Ford was a draft bust. He was worthless. That year, those two were the best pass rush duo in all of football. D. Ford was graded as the highest pass rusher in all of football. Justin Houston was not far behind. The Packers hired him. Fantastic hire. 
And Zadarius Smith is one of the best pass rushers in all of football. Preston far exceeded anybody's expectations as a pass rusher, which is also, by the way, part of the reason why I'm very optimistic about Rashawn taking a step, and I'm very willing to be patient with him. Because I think Mike Smith is a freak. But again, that, that is an element that needs to be talked about and appreciated more. And I, and I want the team to take it very seriously. If, if we're not getting... If, bottom line, if we bring in guys and they come in, this is the baseline. Okay, this, this was a miss, right? Gutekunst drafted this guy. He's not very good. This guy's mediocre. This guy's good. This guy's great. I, wanna, I just want to see movement. If he's a terrible player that becomes a slightly less terrible player and then we cut him, guess what? You still did your job and made him better. I need to see some, some form of improvement from all these guys, not just a couple. And if it's, if it's not happening, we got to try something else. And again, the, the biggest thing, and we talk about how disappointing it is that we didn't get rid of Dom Capers sooner and how disappointing it is that we didn't get rid of Ted sooner and, and you know how many years have been wasted just doing the wrong thing in the wrong direction for too long. Think about, again, the investment in defensive backs we've made but never once made a change until recently with any DB coaches. These guys have no ability to take athletes like Kevin King, who are such a rare breed of human being, and make him into anything, again, until recently. And I, I, I am very hopeful and excited that, that there's going to be a change. Uh, Jerry Gray, I have to look up. I can't keep referencing the guy and not using his name. Jerry Gray from the Minnesota Vikings. I'm very hopeful that he's able to mold these guys just into their full... I, I just want to see them at their best. And you, you can't tell me that Gutekunst is drafting guys at their best, especially the Green Bay Packers, because the Packers exclusively draft guys with high ceilings. That's, that's maybe the worst combination ever, is when you're constantly drafting developmental prospects and you have nobody on your coaching staff that can develop anybody. If, and, and this is part of the reason, by the way, I want to start getting guys that are just good players now. I don't want Denzel Mims. I want Justin Jefferson. Right now, I'm not even a big fan of him, but I'm just... And I, that's not even actually a true statement that I'm making. It's just a generalized statement saying, I don't want the guys that are athletic freaks that have high ceilings. I want guys that can just play because I don't trust the Packers staff to make them anything other than what they are when we draft them. So don't give me a guy with a high ceiling because he's never going to reach it. And if you're going to continue to draft that way, then you've got to change your coaching staff to find guys that can make these guys reach their full potential. Don't give me Denzel Mims, Mims until you solve the problem of why didn't MVS ever become the player he should have become. Until you answer that question, don't even bother with Denzel Mims. Stop it. If you're not going to address that issue, and I know we've, we've been dancing around wide receiver coaches, but don't, you know, unless you think you've solved it, don't bother. You want to get a developmental pass rusher? Fine. With Mike Smith, let's see how that rolls, especially with two pass rushers already. You want to get a developmental safety with Jerry Gray? Fine. Let's see how it goes. I'm fine with that. But until and less than until you have enough confidence in your coaching staff to be able to develop guys, don't draft developmental guys. If all they're ever going to be is what they are, then draft guys that can come in today and play. I don't know what else to say about that. Anyways, this all stemmed from... <laughs> I wanted to talk about the salary cap, and we didn't even talk about it. So yeah, the uh... <laughs> this show is ridiculous. What are you doing here? Run for your life. Get out while you still can. All right, where are we now? We're using over the cap. Uh, spot track and over the cap are usually slightly different, but whatever. I pick one. They're both very good websites, but um, you know, I'm just going with over the cap today. Again, roughly 11 million for the Green Bay Packers. The Vikings are sitting at 12 million after moving around a lot of pieces with their salary cap. Uh, the Bears are just completely sunk. I, they, I mean, they have to do something. They, they still have more moves to do. It's impossible 
to go into the even the draft. I don't know when draft picks need to be signed, but $1 million is not going to do it. So they, they have more that they need to do. Uh, the Detroit Lions are actually sitting in a position where they have a ton of money, and I don't understand exactly what they're doing. Uh, maybe I should just not question it because it's the Lions, and I don't think they know what they're doing. But the, the bottom line is, as we've talked about, this is a team that has a GM and a coach that are on the hot seat. And so they need to be doing as much as they can. Maybe they're they're gearing up to go after a guy like Clowney. Because the bottom line is, having extra money doesn't do you any good for this year to save your jobs. And a lot of the good players are already gone. Right, That happens early. There's a couple guys that are hanging out there, but not many. And so I don't really understand the purpose. I mean, if I'm the Lions, we're spending every dime that we can. Now, if I have a long-term longevity, whatever, the money will roll over, so I'm not super worried about it. But if this is my last year, you gotta sp- you, you got to do something. Usually when I see a, a rival with this much money, especially this late, it's like, oh, no, that's scary. But, dude, you, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with it? It's not going to help you win football games. You can't use it as a multiplier for the scoreboard. You know, you get 3.25 points for a field goal because you got so much extra cap space. I don't know, man. I, I keep thinking the Lions have potential, and then you just look at it, and it's like, what? But, but what are you doing? At least with the Bears and the Vikings, you can kind of at least see what they're trying to do. And even if it's a bad plan, it's at least a plan, and they're moving in a direction. The Lions just look like they're just floundering. Are, are you all the way in? Are you all the way out? What What is the plan here? You know, they're, they're trying to gear up, and they go out and get players, and then they cut a bunch of players. I don't know. The, the bottom line is the Lions have $31 million, but I wouldn't be all too worried about it. There, there's very possibly, if they're any bit competent, about to make a big splash. So maybe I shouldn't be too cocky and making fun of them. Um, also, it could possibly be a quarterback, which would be hilarious if they just spent all that money going out and getting, like, Jameis Winston. But that could also be part... I mean, and they have enough money to do both of those things. But Jadavian Clowney, Jameis Winston... And I mean, there's just... There's not, there's not a lot else out there, unless they're planning on trading for... Uh, for Cam, maybe. But that that's exactly my point. And even if they do get a quarterback, I mean, I mean Stafford is still going to be the quarterback, so that doesn't do anything. I think Jadavian Clowney is really the only possibility here. And I, to be honest, I think it would be dumb not to. Why not? You don't have good pass rushers. I think he would fit what you're doing. I mean, Jadavian is, is, has always kind of been a little bit overrated, but he's still better than anything you've got, and so what? Again, you're about to get fired. What does it matter if you overpay? And his market's coming down. It's about $18 million. Just pay the guy. Who cares? I would not care even a little bit if I was the Lions. Spend your boss's money so you don't get fired. Right, whatever. Why am I trying to convince you to do things that are going to make sense? But anyways, for the most part, everybody's pretty capped out. And even if there's not, there's not that much left out there. There's a couple quarterbacks that need a home. There's Jadavian Clowney. We'll, we'll figure that out at some point. You know, teams that have a bunch of space, the Browns, Texans, Lions, Jets. I mean, there's a lot of competition out there. So hopefully he doesn't end up with the Lions. I just, I, as far as, because I keep seeing little things here and there about, you know, trading for Brandon Cooks. I, I just, I don't think any of that's going to happen. I think we're out of money and money does come into play because he has a contract and we would have to begin paying that contract. I, I really think it's just, it's, it's up to the draft now. That is the next step. Um, as far as I know, that's going on as anticipated, it's as it's supposed to. And I don't see a reason why not. I think the NFL has done a good job of saying we're, we're just going to forge ahead. And I know that has some negative ramifications um, as far as, you know, wanting to bring players in for, for this, that, or the other. But, you know, there, there was a time in the NFL where none of this stuff happened anyway. You know, there was significantly less technology. Some of these guys were, uh, Michael Lombardi actually just wrote an article recently kind of laying out how, you know, the way things are going right now is kind of how the way things used to be even back in the 80s. You know, we had a board and, and, 
you know, we, we maybe hadn't have had contact with these guys in a long time. They, they made, they ended up drafting a guy. He wrote in the story that, um, you know, the, the, the head coach who was not in a good mood said, who is this guy? And he kind of gave him the rundown and, um, ran into another room real quick, called the guy to see if, if he even wanted to play football anymore. He had no idea. He didn't know if he was healthy. He didn't know if he was alive. He didn't, he hadn't, nobody had talked to this guy since September. And so, you know, got the all clear and they, they ended up drafting the guy, but it's just, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be a certain way. The other thing that makes me nervous is once we start the process of pushing things back, I don't see that stopping. Because there's, there's no clear window for when this gets better. So the idea that, well, let's just push it back a little bit and then we can do the Vegas thing. No, man, I, I don't think that's going to happen. If you push it back because we want to wait until we can have big groups again, I just, I don't think we're going to have a draft. Not to be pessimistic, I'm just going off of what I've been seeing recently. Things, you know, once they start the process of, you know, I remember a while ago when California said no groups bigger than 250. And I remember thinking, what are you, nuts? Felt like that was that was ages ago. That was like two weeks ago. Things are going in a certain direction, and it's not in the direction of, hey, pretty soon we'll be able to have big groups in Vegas. So I, I, you know, I know a lot of people outside of the NFL commissioner want this thing to be pushed back, and Goodell is pushing for this to go on as forward. This is one of the few times I agree with Roger. We as fans need this. The league needs this. The country needs this. Just do the dumb show. And I think the reason a lot of teams want it is they, they want more information. They're accustomed to having a, a ton of it, and it could actually make things much more interesting. You know, back in the day... There were there were third, fourth, fifth, sixth, twelfth round picks that were better football players because there was so little information. You didn't have all this film and all these. I mean, think back to the the Lombardi days. It almost makes more of a sport out of it. You know, one of the negative things about about the draft uh, recently is that everybody has the exact same information, and the draft has become much more predictable, which takes a lot of the fun out of it. One of the benefits of, for example, removing all the technique, and it's a fraction of the information is, is removed. You know, Brian Gutekunst has already said by the time that the season's over and we have the tape and we've analyzed the tape, that, 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 that accounts for, I mean, I'm putting words in his mouth, but let's just call it 90% of the information. After that, it just comes down to kind of medicals and meeting with guys. And that's kind of what you can't do, but you can still meet with people online and have meetings if you so choose. It really just comes down to medicals. Which maybe, if, if nothing else, maybe that just means some of those guys fall and become a better value because teams are just scared. But again, in a general sense, less information could make the draft a little bit more interesting. As an example, Tony Canadeo, 1941 running back for the Green Bay Packers, drafted in the ninth round. Jim Ringo, Hall of Famer, seventh round. Bart Starr was taken in the 17th round. This is back when they had 30 rounds in the draft. 17th round he was taken. You had the the famous 1958 draft, which, you know, these are relatively early picks, especially when you look at 30 rounds. But you got Jim Taylor in the second round, Ray Nitschke in the third round, Jerry Kramer in the fourth. But the fact that guys like Ray Nitschke and Jerry Kramer make it to the third and fourth round, I think speaks largely to the fact that there's just not that much information. Also, I mean, these are these are Midwest guys. right? I mean, Jim Taylor came out of LSU, but Ray Nitschke was a guy out of Illinois. Jerry Kramer was Idaho. It's possible the Packers just knew a little bit more about him because they were a little more local than, you know, the information the 49ers would have had on Nitschke and Kramer. Bottom line, I don't think in today's NFL you take guys that are of that caliber. I think I think Jim Taylor, Ray Nitschke, and Jerry Kramer are all first-round picks because of, again, the information. I don't think guys with that much talent make it that far. Maybe not Kramer because he's an offense, you know, interior offensive lineman and Jim Taylor being a running back. Maybe these are late first, early second-round picks, but you get my point. Actually kind of looks like in the 70s is when some kind of technology really started to take hold 
because as you look at it, or even, you know, so 1961, Herb Adderley is the one Hall of Famer. He was a first-round pick. Uh, Dave Robinson, Hall of Famer, first-round pick. Um, let me scroll all the way up here. James Lofton, and that's it. So the, the last three after that, um, Hall of Famers for the Green Bay Packers are all first-round picks. So obviously some information started to really boom around that time. But anyways, bottom line is, cry me a river. All right, you got a lot of information. You've, you've seen tape. You've seen all 22 of every single one of these prospects. You've had armies of guys go out and meet them in, in person, at their stadiums, at their events. You've watched them. You've studied them. You got plenty of information. Let's let's do this thing, all right? Do the draft. Anyways, this was a uh, very random episode, but an important episode. So I think I'm going to have Peter carry us out of here. And I, I mean that. If you guys, if, if we got any guitar players or anything, go ahead and throw it up in the group. Let's see what you got. It's hard to compete with somebody who is, you know, in the Milwaukee Symphony. But, uh, you know, just, just, just do it anyways. It'd be fun. So you folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.